Hey, welcome to the latest episode of the Voices of E-Commerce. I'm John Drake, Professor of Management Information Systems at East Carolina University. In this podcast, I interview the incredible people behind the scenes of e-commerce, the people that design, build, market, and run various online, mobile, and social initiatives. And now, on with the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Voices of E-Commerce. In today's episode, we are joined by Randy Hazek and Matt McGurk at Source Defense. Uh, Source Defense, uh, from what I understand, helps secure e-commerce shopping carts from uh, typical third-party mage cart and form jacking attacks uh, through uh, an automated machine learning system called Vice Platform. Uh, Randy is their sales engineer. And Matt is the solutions engineer. And so Randy, Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much. Great. So um, let me get started a little bit about your history and what led you to decide to go more into a security-oriented company. Uh, Randy, do you want to go first? Yeah, you know, I've, I've always been kind of interested in technology. I started out with uh, working with mobile operating systems. So I did some like uh, uh, tinkering with custom ROMs on Android, did some jailbreaking of, you know, Apple iOS devices. And then uh, from there, kind of wanted more office jobs. So I took a, a position as a solutions engineer at a content management company. Um, that's actually where Matt and I uh, met. Uh, we were both employees there. Uh, from there, I went into a healthcare company that did uh, kind of healthcare software for your ID cards and memory guides and things. Uh, and then the opportunity came about to work for a company like Source Defense um, and then also work with Matt. And so I kind of took that opportunity and ran with it. Nice. Right. Matt, what was kind of your history? Yeah, of course. So I, I came up through web application development. Uh, sometimes the joke I tell is before we actually called them web applications. That's when that's when I started, and um, I, I followed that career for a while. But I really like talking to people, so I started to get more into solutions and things like that. And security's been kind of a natural fit because I like breaking stuff and putting it back together. And I think that's one of the most uh, useful talents you can have if you're going to be a security professional. So a little bit of a twisted course there, but it's all come into concert pretty well. Okay. Uh, and now, uh, now your titles are sales engineer and solutions engineer. So what exactly is the difference between those two and uh, how, how do you two like work together? So I, I think the easiest way to answer that is uh, it's, it's just a little bit of a of title magic. So our roles are the same or similar. We, we work with salespeople and we help explain technical concepts uh, to different folks. It depends on uh, whether it's most friendly to call it a solution or a sale. So for instance, if I'm working with a partner of Source Defense, uh, sales engineer is the more familiar title. If I'm working with a customer or someone who might be interested in our software, a solution engineer is the more familiar term. So they're interchangeable, really. And then as far as the senior, I've just been here a little longer than Randy. So they decided to give me <laughs> a little longer, have a little more gray hair. So they gave me the senior <laughs> title. That's all that is. Yeah, I know about that gray hair. Um, <laughs> of course, I have three kids helping me with that. Um, all right, so um, let's get a little bit more into website security. Uh, and now, in general, I mean, I know security, website security or web app security or whatever you want to call it, uh, has been an issue for a long time and continues to be a big issue. What do you think most businesses get wrong when it comes to website security in general? And, and that's specific to necessarily what you're doing yet. We'll get into that. But what, what's kind of the 
big picture? How how why how are they thinking about it wrong? Yeah, I don't I don't know necessarily that they're they're getting website security wrong, right? I think that's a that's a strong word. I think what it is is it's a constantly evolving landscape. So there's constantly new attack vectors or new ways to try to get information or get data or get whatever the goal is for the attacker out of you know a website um, uh, session. So I think it's more about kind of analyzing their existing stack, understanding the gaps that they may have, and then taking into account any new, you know, as, as we do, form jacking, e-skimming, defacement, first and third party JavaScript attacks, finding out where their gaps are in terms of kind of that attack vector and then filling that gap. And I know Matt is actually, you know, he's been doing this a bit longer. He he might have like some other insights on that. I don't know, Matt, if you want to. I think it's it's a tr it's tr it's it's a tricky thing for security professionals to manage website security because especially when we look at the context of e-commerce, websites were vital to the lifeblood, the revenue of a company before we were all stuck in our homes for a year, and now they're only more important. And so, security professionals have a really tough job of juggling. I want to make this secure, but we also need it to be functional for our visitors, and we also need a way to measure return on investment and make sure that people are converting and all those good things. So it creates this environment where they need to manage, security professionals need to manage a lot of different tools and technologies and things that they have no control over and that the company needs and that it's their responsibility to make sure don't steal the customer's information. So it's a tension for folks. I think that's the biggest challenge they're facing. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and so now a source defense uh, where you guys work has come up with a solution into a, a one particular problem with, and you said there are some, you know, different attack vectors. Um, and so for those people who aren't familiar with attack vectors, that's just a, well, how would you explain what an attack vector is? Let's, let's go there. Sure. The so there's, um, <laughs> there's a bunch of, you know, if you took the history of website security, which I won't bore everyone with today, um, but there's a lot of different things you got to think about. You've got a server on the internet that's vulnerable to attacks. You've got traffic going back and forth between web browsers that can be sniffed or stolen. And the threat in particular that Source Defense was founded to thwart um, are what we're calling client-side attacks, meaning that things that can occur in the web browser itself as a person is interacting with the website, buying things, maybe even outside of e-commerce a little bit, working on health insurance, you know, open enrollment stuff, or logging into their bank's website. And so the terms you hear around this are MageCart, which is a combination of the e-commerce the e platform Magento and Shopping Cart, because that's where the first type of attack, this client-side attack really gained popularity, was exploiting that platform. In more recent years, uh, you've heard e-skimming and form jacking and even click jacking coming up as different things that are associated with the client side where we're actually, the attacker is actually messing with what the visitor's doing or their data as they're navigating through an e-commerce experience. Um, and so what Source Defense was founded to solve was to, to solve that gap where once you send information, your e-commerce website out into a web browser, how do you make sure it's doing what it's supposed to do? And it's not gonna be compromised once it's executing in that web browser and doing all those sorts of things. So. That's what we've been founded to solve and thwart, and we have a pretty cool preventative technology to make sure that MageCart isn't successful or likewise attack groups. So, um, and so to be honest, I hadn't heard of MageCart uh, attack until I started reading up on your company. And so, how would you explain that to um, 
whether it's the user or to the business that you're selling the product to? That's an excellent question. And uh, it's something I do on the phone every day because this is a novel problem to people. It's not something they've necessarily heard of or is traditional uh, in the security kind of landscape. Basically, the issue is JavaScript. And not to get too technical, but JavaScript is the language that runs in a web browser and makes everything on a web page interactive. So animations on the web page, uh, maybe you click plus one next to a shopping cart and it goes to two and it recalculates everything for you. So all of that stuff is JavaScript. The other thing running in the web browser are third-party tools. So basically JavaScript that um, a particular company will contract with another company to use in their website. So that's something like Google Analytics or uh, Facebook Connect or even more obscure names like 24-7 AI or uh, OpenX and et cetera. So the problem with all of this is that all JavaScript has the exact same level of permission and capability in the web browser. So no matter if it's code that my company developed in-house and we know about it, or it's this third-party stuff that's coming in from wherever, all of that shows up in the web browser and gets to do whatever it wants. And so what attackers have learned is that if they can figure out any way to get into that web browser, if it's breaking into one of those third parties, if it's putting their code on a hosting platform, if it's uh, poisoning a GitHub repository to put it in an open source library, no matter how that code gets in there, then the attacker can do things like steal the visitor's information, literally look at keystrokes as they're getting typed or fields on the page, or they can change what the page looks like altogether, inject a form that steals social security numbers or uh, use a little bit of social engineering to get whatever they want from a visitor. So it's this vector that kind of exists outside of what people think is traditionally their problem with security, but is a very major concern for them and their visitors as they're trying to prevent a, or excuse me, present an excellent e-commerce experience. So let me try to put that in my own words so I can understand this. So it sounds like like if I own a, a, a small business and I'm selling, and, and it doesn't even have to be the Magenta e-commerce system where I know you said this is where it started from. Um, it sounds like it can be many different systems that are vulnerable to this attack. But I set up an e-commerce website for my small business and I connect in multiple different uh, third parties that have their JavaScript and then someone corrupts one of those third parties. So it's going to, it's not anything that I built. It's the third party that built it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And somehow the code, the, the, the attack gets snuck in one of those vectors. Um, exactly. Sometimes the metaphor I use is a little bit like a restaurant. If I run a restaurant and I'm serving food, I depend on the guy who delivers the groceries and the guy who raised the chickens mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Anywhere in that supply chain that becomes um, a problem could affect the food safety. Anywhere in my code supply chain could affect the uh, uh, visitor to my website. Okay, um, good. Okay, and so um, now I'm, I'm assuming you're familiar with the Open Web Application Pro Security Project, OWASP. Um, and they published their top 10 vulnerabilities, um, like the last one was in 2017, I believe. Um, where would the mage cart attack fit in those top 10? So it's interesting. We've worked with OWASP and actually presented at a couple of their conferences and events. And at the moment, the top 10 doesn't really have an entry for mage cart. Hmm. Uh, the vulnerability has existed for as long as web browsers have had JavaScript, so like since 1994. Um, but it's only been in about the past 18 months that um, 
uh, criminals have found it profitable to do this. So it's kind of just taken off like a hockey stick at this point. Oh, so I, a brand new one that had, so maybe when they update their list next time around, something like mage card attacks could be I'm, in there. Well, I mean, it's been named the number two threat to e-commerce online oh, by the FBI and Visa. Oh, wow. and, yeah, so it's I, I I can't influence what OWASP does, but I don't think it would be a yeah. bad idea to <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, okay, good. Um, all right, so let's talk a little bit about how you are defending against this. Now, I, I went to your website and it says that it's two lines of code that are added to the header of your client's web pages and you can install your vice platform. Um, how does that work? So it's very simple. I mean, as we said before, this threat doesn't exist just on Magento or just on one platform. So there's a little, everybody's platform's different in how you integrate. But basically, put very simply, a website needs to send an HTML document back to a web browser. Then that builds the web page in the web browser. What we need somebody to do is add two lines to that HTML document. That takes different forms. Sometimes it's through kind of like a content management system where they paste something in. Sometimes it's about asking a developer to add it to the web app if it's all custom. But nonetheless, it's all very straightforward. You're literally pointing at a couple of files that are going to get loaded into the visitor's browser when they go to your website, and they're going to make sure this bad stuff doesn't happen. So the deployment's very simple, um, and we find that it works nicely into, I guess, to use a little industry term, kind of like the security stack that folks have. It's not a big lift to get it installed and up and running and make sure that your uh, visitors are more secure. Now, so these two lines of code, is this more JavaScript? So yeah, actually it is. So if you want to do anything okay. interactive in a web browser at this point, it's JavaScript because with the death of Flash and technologies like WebAssembly still being well out from now, uh, all executable code is JavaScript at this point in the browser. Um, so what we do is basically take advantage of some technical aspects of how JavaScript works to put um, uh, all of this potentially malicious code we've been talking about into safe environments within the browser where that code can execute and not potentially harm the visitor. So all that happens in the background invisibly as you're going through your shopping experience and protects you from what's going on. Okay, okay. So you provide another layer of the job. So it does it execute your JavaScript first and then kind of puts a container around um, all the other JavaScript that needs to be run. Precisely. If you want to hop on a call with me later, I think that's a perfect explanation. <laughs> Randy, you were going to say something? Uh, yeah, that, that's that's exactly it. I think the other thing too is the the resource cost of the solution that we have is very minimal. So there's not a lot of upkeep. There's not a lot of you know. There's no need to hire an additional full time employee or you know spend hours and hours and hours in it weekly or daily or monthly. It's a very low. Um, resource-intensive solution, um, but it, it, it does the job. Okay, um, absolutely. Um, now, I mean, I'm sure it does a great job of what it does. Are there concerns about reduction in speed of the shopping cart experience? Uh, I don't know how that would impact that. Yeah, it's an interesting question. So usually when we're talking about, um, I guess what I would put is user experience, this sort of stuff. So like I click a button, add to cart, and I get that little cool badge that says there's three things instead of two now. 
Uh, that's what I would throw into the category of user experience. So there's in web development, some called the 15 millisecond rule, meaning that if your code takes longer than 15 milliseconds to do what it's supposed to do, uh, the visitor will see that as kind of broken. It'll feel kind of janky to them. So 20 milliseconds apparently is how long it takes humans to uh, not be into stuff. Because of how we've engineered our our, our solution, we've, we purpose built it to do this kind of prevention. So it's we're talking about less than a millisecond to do that kind of isolation and prevention we've been talking about. So well within the boundary of you know, Long story short, no. <laughs> you're still going <laughs> to click that button. You're still going to get uh, more shoes in your shopping cart and not even notice where we're gotcha. you. Great. Um, all right. All right. So, um, so let's talk a little bit about how you go about um, selling this to your clients. So, how do you help your clients assess the risk of mage card attacks, form jacking, and other things? Yeah, I know you mentioned e skimming. Uh, I forget what else, but yeah. Uh, Talking about you know clients and customers, existing clients have you know access to our admin console and they can check the health of the platform and um, policy recommendations, violations, data reports um, you know are available at any time in the console. If someone's looking to measure their risk and they want to come to us, um, we offer a free website risk report that you can visit sourcedefense.com, um, click the uh, website risk analysis button and enter in the information, what site, what's your name, what's your email. And uh, we have a system that will then run out to that site and will measure uh, your risk based on some criteria that we have set up. It'll give you a, an idea of your request map. So where all of your JavaScript is coming from um, through that supply chain. Um, which is actually very interesting because you know there are some some people don't know where all of their javascript is coming from because you know facebook may be pulling in 10 or 20 other third parties themselves wow. um and so what we do is we make sure that we uh record that measure and then provide it back to the the client so we give a score um you know uh, based on what we find, we give a request map, we give a list of the um, JavaScript inventory that you have on your site. And all that's available for free. Um, and then we can start having a discussion exactly on how we can help protect against a mage card or JavaScript style attack. Okay. Very good. Um, now, uh, how has, I mean, I, I think you brought up one uh, point, Matt, that in the past 18 months, we've seen a huge spike in mage cart attacks. Uh, has this been at all impacted by, do you think, by the pandemic and by the fact, I mean, I, I've talked with various different companies already that have, uh, you know, supercharged their e-commerce initiatives because they had to. They couldn't have face-to-face -face, uh, interactions with their customers, so they moved everything e-commerce. Um, has this been any way related to that, do you think? I mean, I don't know. You might have a better feel for this than I do. I'm curious. I, I, I do believe so. Like we're saying, 18 months is, you know, two years is roughly the timeline of if I were to give you the, the biggest mage cart thing you may have seen in the news, that would be how far out it was. And it was accelerating pretty aggressively before coronavirus. And since uh, lockdown and all the things you just mentioned, uh, have pushed folks from wanting to do t digital transformation or thinking about it or having a plan to execute it. It's like, okay, we're doing that today, like this afternoon, like get back yeah. in the office. Um, and so as a consequence, unfortunately, you see the the attackers taking additional interest in well as well, because if there's more stuff to steal, they're more interested in stealing it. The profit motive becomes much clearer for them. 
Um, Randy, what, what have you, you know, you speak to a lot of folks too. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, if we look at, um, you know, let's take grocery, right? So, you know, a lot of people, they couldn't go out to grocery stores, couldn't go into the stores, had to order pickup. So you had an increase, a significant increase in things like Walmart grocery, Instacart shipped being used uh, by, uh, you know, by those affected with, with COVID or coronavirus or just the lockdowns. And so I think you saw something like, um, you know, almost 250% increase in grocery or online grocery orders in March of this year compared to, uh, you know, the previous year. And that's big when you start thinking about, um, you know, everyone that's entering in their personal information, their financial information, payment information online. I think you have to look at if you're a malicious actor, if you're someone out there and you see this increase of potential data that you can get, you're going to increase your effort into how you can attack that and get that data and make your profit as a, you know, as a malicious person. Right, right. Now, um, and, and what I'm also curious, though, is have there been a lot of companies rushing to get products out that weren't properly secured? I think, well, I, you know, I wouldn't say anyone's not done their due diligence or released a good product, but I, I've heard many times, you know, we're the, the most important thing to my developers right now is getting the curbside thing much, much more robust than it was before. Like we, we've had a roadmap or whatever, but now it's build the curbside web app uh, kind of deal. Yeah. And I think I'm, I'm positive that those de developers are taking the right security steps and et cetera. But when we talk about this kind of client side risk, what you need to consider is that if I'm not the developers, if I'm digital or marketing, however they define it, I'm going to be grabbing as much of these third-party tools. I want to sign every contract I can with new vendors because of how vital it is that I protect that sales funnel or get those conversions or whatever. Um, I've done that. You know, I've I've had that kind of responsibility to make the number go from three percent to four percent or whatever it is. And you want every tool you can get in your tool belt. And so the more that stuff you add, the more the risk goes up in this particular situation. So I think that's the real consideration is. As these two things compete, the business requirements of the website and the security of it, what's the strategy to deal with both of those things and the tension that comes up between them? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and so uh, I'm assuming, though, that Source Defense has been doing quite uh, well in this regard, helping other businesses out. <laughs> We're, I, I mean, I so. yeah, it, the, the circumstances are unfortunate, but I'm glad that we are. Yeah. It's been, uh, we, we were fortunate enough to get a couple of accolades earlier this year. We were named to um, Forbes Magazine's hot cyber tech companies to watch and uh, brought on an investor, uh, Capital One Bank, who were generous enough to come on board as kind of, uh, um, you know, some partners. And it's, it's a huge vote of confidence we're very grateful for. So um, I think it's it's also useful, although I don't want to get too much into kind of a commercial discussion, but the way we offer our product isn't dependent on the, the traffic that a website gets. So it's not that you got to drop another quarter in the machine to keep the website sure. secure. Um, it's that we want to get you into a place where you're secure and then help you maintain that. So um, we never want to be in a position where you're, you're offering something. You, you don't want people to feel bad for being successful. And so we've made sure that we're not doing that with our product. Nice. Very good. All right. Well, where can we, uh, people learn more about Source Defense, guys? Uh, yeah, so they can visit sourcedefense.com. Uh, we actually just launched uh, yesterday, I believe it was, so on the 21st. 
we just launched a new uh, product, new site kind of redesign. Uh, so we have a new product out called WIP, uh, Website and Page Protection, along with Vice. It's part of the whole Source Defense platform. So um, you can certainly read about it there. There's some press releases um, that were uh, released as well. And uh, yeah, you can also request a demo, uh, have conversations with, with Matt and myself uh, about how we can help uh, your business protect against these style of JavaScript attacks. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and as Randy mentioned, that that risk report that we offer, I think is an incredibly valuable resource. It's, it's you just click on a button, you'll get it in your email. There's no cost to it. And it's also non-invasive. So I'm, it's not, sometimes if you work in security, you're asking people for things like penetration tests or like list of vulnerabilities. That's not at all what this is. This is just about informing you what gets loaded into the visitor's browser when they're going to your website that you may not be aware of and help you manage it a little better. And then as Randy said, we'd be happy to speak about it further, uh, which you can arrange via the website as well. Very nice. All right, well, gentlemen, uh, that I think will bring it to a close. Uh, I thank you very much for joining me. Uh, I learned a ton about this. I mean, I, <laughs> uh, I mean, this is something, I guess I mentioned at the beginning, it's like I hadn't heard of uh, a mage cart attack uh, prior to speaking with you guys. Um, and so it's it's uh, something definitely that I want to, like when I do my next edition of the textbook, I want to throw that in there because that's, and <laughs> it sounds a bit scary. I mean, I, I can understand the uh, the danger of uh, the, well, really it's the proliferation of third-party JavaScript. And that's the problem. You can't manage that well when you start throwing in you know, tens or hundreds maybe of JavaScript files that you are connecting to. So uh, it becomes necessary. You can't just hope that they're doing it right. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, you can't rely on trust anymore. It's, it's yes. a shame, but it's also true. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, again, I appreciate it, guys. Uh, so thank you very much. And uh, uh, it's a pleasure having you. Thank you, John. Appreciate being on. All right.